الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما أصابكم من مصيبة فبما كسبت أيديكم ويعفو عن كثير وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أشد الناس بلاء الأنبياء ثم الأمثل فالأمثل أو كما قال النبي قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected brothers and elders, mothers and sisters, we are repeatedly looking at the news or listening to what is going on around the world from people around us and everywhere we hear about the same thing that more than half the world is in a lockdown situation. So this lockdown is the current point of discussion almost throughout the world. When people are under such circumstances and especially something that we have never experienced before, so it naturally causes some kind of concern. Many people are in a difficulty, severe difficulty. So these situations obviously create some kind of concern, worry, anxiety. In such conditions, one of the things to do in order to bring that calm within oneself, to keep the focus correct, is to look in the lives, into the lives of the Anbiya Ali wasalam, the lives of the Sahaba Ikiram, and the pious predecessors, but top of the list is the lives of the Anbiya Ali wasalam. In the Quran Sharif itself, Allah Ta'ala mentions numerous incidents of the Anbiya Ali wasalam. The incidents of the Anbiya Ali wasalam are repeated over and over again in the Quran Sharif. The difficulties that they underwent, the sacrifices and the hardships that they had to bear and how did their people treat them, what kind of situation they had to patiently undergo. Musa salam, his incident is repeated over and over again out of the 30 paras of the Quran Sharif. In 28 paras, some mention or the other, you will find of Sayyidina Musa salam. Then Hazrat Nuh salam, Hazrat Saleh salam, and Hazrat Lut salam, and so many of the Anbiya salam, their incidents are mentioned in the Quran Sharif and repeatedly. In one ayat Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُلَّنْ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُلِ مَا نُسَبِّتُ بِهِ فُعَادَكَ The crux of this is, Allah Ta'ala is saying to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that we mention these incidents of the Anbiya Alayhi Salatu Wasallam in Anba'i Rusul, these happenings and the incidents of the Anbiya Alayhi Salatu Wasallam, we mention this to you, and the purpose and the object of this is, لِنُسَبِّتَ بِهِ فُعَادَكَ that we make your heart very strengthened and firm by means of these incidents. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself was at the peak of this Trust in Allah Ta'ala, peak of tawakkul, peak of taqwa, peak of complete reliance on Allah Ta'ala, peak of full hope in Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And he was at the peak of all the beautiful and noble sifat. So this is actually a message to the rest of mankind and to the ummah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who was at the peak of all these sifat, 
when he is also being addressed in this manner, that by means of these incidents of the Anbiya we strengthen your heart. So how much the Ummat will need this? That they look into the lives of the Anbiya So many a times, we spend hours and hours reading about different people and their lives and their biographies people who unfortunately many didn't even have Iman we read about them because somebody was a very great statesman as far as the dunya is concerned and somebody was some footballer and somebody was some expert uh, cricketer and somebody was somebody something so people of dunya we read about their lives and Allah forbid Allah forbid many people who were very immoral and there's some gossip about them there's something about their lives that is being written. We will read that with interest as well. But the tragedy is we haven't read about the lives of the Anbiya Ali Musallam. And in particular, the Seerat and the Mubarak life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we hardly have read anything. We hardly have acquainted ourselves with the Mubarak Seerat. And we haven't made any effort to learn about the Mubarak life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is indeed a very, very great tragedy. Many, many years ago, it was that time of the year when people would be engrossed in the discussion about tennis because somebody or something at that time of the year is happening in some part of the world, something which is the highlight of the tennis uh, world. So now some tournament, whatever is carrying on. So this must be some more than 20 odd years ago, Allah knows best how long ago. So one youngster, somebody asked him that uh, uh, who is number one on the Wimbledon circuit? So he replied and gave the answer, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, up to number ten. And those names are not even easy to pronounce some of those names. So, he gave all those answers. Then the person asked him that, how many daughters did Rasulullah have? And he was now baffled. He knew the name of one daughter of Rasulullah Now, this might be somebody else's incident, but let us look within, let us look within ourselves. That within ourselves, let us just ponder for a while, how much do we know about the Mubarak Seerat of Rasulullah and how much do we know of other things? We know about who's playing and when they played and who scored how many goals and who scored how many centuries and who did this and that and the other in terms of people who don't even have Iman and, and their so-called skills. Skill what? How to kick a ball, how to hit a ball. These are the things that became so fascinating skills for us and it engrosses us, it captivates us. And just to see people chasing behind a piece of leather or somebody knocking one ball with a stick, which they call a bat, and others now running behind it. And it became such a fascinating thing. And the whole world is glued to it. And they know so much about it. And the Ummatis of Rasulullah also know so much about it. And they are so engrossed in it. And they are so captivated by it. And they are so fascinated with it. And they are reading so many details about those who apparently very, very uh, great in these so-called skills and in these so-called uh, abilities, but they have a very, very uh, negligible amount of knowledge about their Rasulullah wasallam, about his family, about his Sahaba, about the sacrifices and hardships that they underwent. Let us do that comparison for ourselves. And somebody else's incident is just to just to serve as a little trigger for us to now start searching within ourselves. That it's easy to look at other people and say what somebody else knew or didn't know. But what do we know? How much do we know? How much do we know about the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa about their names, about other details about their lives? the great Sahaba Ikram, 
we have to acquaint ourselves about this. And this is not just a matter of some historical facts. One is that it is a dictate of love. This is a dictate of love. When a person has true love, then he wants to know more and more about the beloved. So people become so overcome with the love of sports stars and Allah forbid pop stars and what not, all these falling stars and they go into deep history about them and they know so much of details about them and it's not going to benefit them in the slightest bit knowing anything about them. Knowing about these people is not going to help in the slightest bit. It won't make one difference to a person's life in dunya also, let alone the qabr and akhirat. But yet, people do all this. Why? Something has grabbed at their heart. That person became a beloved. And as a result, they are very, very keen to know more and more. And they know all the finer details. And they will give you things at the tip of their fingers. So it's a dictate of love to know about Rasulullah to know about his Mubarak life, to know about his family, to know about his Sahaba, radiallahu is a dictate of love. And the more deeper that love is, the more a person will study the Mubarak life of Rasulullah So one is that it is simply a dictate of, dictate of love. And to the extent that we have this love, inshallah, we'll be driven to read about his Mubarak life. Then together with it being a dictate of love, knowing about his Mubarak life, this is the light that's going to light up our lives. Knowing about how he lived his life. This is going to be the road on which he is going to take us to Jannat. Naqshe qadam nabi ke hai Jannat ke raaste. Allah se milate hai sunnat ke raaste. This is the world famous poem of our beloved Sheikh Hazrat Shah Muhammad Akki Muhammad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah who encapsulated the path for us in this few words. That if you want to naqshe qadam nabi ke hai jannat ke raaste, you want to get to jannat, then you'll have to follow the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you want to reach Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, you want to gain his pleasure, you want to gain his acceptance, and the only path to that is the path of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, this is the dictates of love also, and it is the fundamental requirement for our najat and salvation, for our progress in deen, that we should be acquainting ourselves very well about the Mubarak life of Rasulullah Then together with that, when we read about the incidents of the Sahaba Ikram, and more than that, the incidents of Rasulullah himself, then this gives tremendous strength to the heart. It strengthens the heart, it makes a person very, very uh, firm in his iman. When he reads about the difficulties and hardships they underwent and how they remained steadfast, this starts making one feel also very much strengthened. It gives him courage and himmat and he too then gains that ability and that strength to now undertake whatever has come and be patient, to be steadfast and to take things forward in a positive manner, not to become overwhelmed. So Allah Taala mentioned to Rasulullah that we mentioned these incidents of the Anbiya so that we strengthen your heart by this. Likewise, we should be reading the Mubarak Sirat of Rasulullah and the various incidents that happen in his Mubarak life and the sacrifices that he made, and the difficulties that he underwent, and how he remained steadfast in all this, this will give us himmat and courage. So this is the reason why there's so much of emphasis on the ta'aleem, in the fazail amal the other incidents in the stories of Sahaba, the stories of Sahaba, the incidents of Rasulullah himself, right at the very beginning, the very first incident that is recorded there, is the incident when Rasulullah went to Taif, how many a person, this became a turning point in his life. When he heard this incident for the first time, 
in a halaqa of ta'lim, and it had such an impact on his heart, that that turned him around. I can't continue my life in this negligent manner, and that became the turning point, just listening to that one incident. So many people have had this experience. So, this regular ta'lim gives so much of courage, strength, and it gives a direction. So in any case, this is a very necessary aspect that we should be constantly acquainting ourselves with the seerat of Rasulullah wasallam, reading about his Mubarak life, being constant with the ta'lim, ta'lim of the fazail kitabs, and in particular the hikayat sahaba the stories of sahaba, which is filled with even the incidents of Rasulullah wasallam. So this will give us very great himmat and courage and will help us along. Coming back to where we started off, that we are in this lockdown situation and then we moved on to say that we should be looking into the lives of the Anbiya Ali Wasallam and in particular the life of Rasulullah So we find that in his Mubarak life also, because of the deen of Allah Taala and inviting to Allah Taala, because of calling people towards the oneness of Allah Taala, he too had to undergo a lockdown situation. But the difference only is that whatever we are experiencing in our lockdown situation, obviously there's various degrees of inconvenience or difficulty or hardship in this lockdown situation. Some people, they can't even make out the difference perhaps. And some people are in a very desperate situation. Many people in fact are in a very desperate situation in this lockdown situation. So, while there are varying degrees of difficulty and hardship being experienced in this lockdown situation, but all our difficulties put together, we cannot compare to what Nabi had to endure in the lockdown that he was made to suffer. The lockdown situation that came upon him and his family is far beyond what we can imagine. If we multiply our discomfort, our disturbance, our inconvenience, and yes, there are many people in a lot of desperation also. Allah Ta'ala give afiyat to one and all. Allah Ta'ala grant ease to one and all. Allah Ta'ala blow the winds of hidayat. While this is a very testing time, but often out of these testing times, many good things come out. While we should ask for afiyat, never ask for difficulties, but mashallah, Many people have opened their hearts out and have shown their good side and have, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, have opened their hearts out and in their generosity have been helping those who are in this desperation. Inshallah, summa inshallah, this is going to open out many hearts for deen, for iman. That when people will be receiving this help from sincere, generous Muslims, this is going to open their hearts towards Iman. It has happened so many times. So this is a very difficult time. It's a trying time for many in their desperation. They are really in a very difficult moment. But inshallah, summa inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will grant afiyat to everybody and a lot, a lot of good will come out of this. Allah Ta'ala ease the, ease the situation. Allah Ta'ala remove the difficulty. Allah Ta'ala grant afiyat to one and all. This is a dua we have to constantly make for ourselves, for the entire ummah. So in any case, we were talking about this lockdown. So as much as we are in some kind of difficulty, hardship, but all our hardship put together at the desperation that many people are suffering, but we might multiply it a thousand times and still not be able to compare with the kind of difficulty that Nabi Wasallam had to endure together with his family in that lockdown. It was in the seventh year after Bi'asat, after the first, after Rasulullah was granted Nubuat. So after the, from the time of Nubuat, seventh year thereafter, the various ways in which the Quraysh tried to suppress Rasulullah but they found nothing was working. And as much as they tried to suppress him, as much as they caused so much of taklif and so much of persecution, the difficulties that Hazrat Sayyidina Bilal Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu underwent, 
Hazrat Suhib underwent, and Hazrat Khubayb underwent, and so many of the Sahabiyat underwent, and the difficulties that Nabi Wasallam and his immediate family underwent, and what kind of difficulties the Fazal Amal is filled with the incidents of the difficulties that they had to bear. But despite all this, deen just continued spreading. And people like Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab who was very, very strong on the side of the Quraysh, and now suddenly he comes into Iman and Islam, Hamza who was among their leaders, and he comes into Iman. So all these things were continuing, and they could they could not stem this tide flowing, this tide of Iman growing. So eventually, eventually, they sat down to re-strategize. And unfortunately, this is an ongoing effort from that time and from before that time till this day. There's an ongoing effort. The enemies of Islam and the Muslims are constantly strategizing. They are constantly strategizing of how to destroy Islam and Iman, how to destroy the Muslims. They will never ever be able to destroy Iman and Islam. That is Allah Ta'ala's promise, Allah Ta'ala's protection is with His deen. But the very dangerous part is that while Iman and Islam will survive, that will never ever be annihilated. And Allah Ta'ala has declared this openly in the Quran Sharif, they wish to extinguish the nur of Allah Ta'ala with their mouths. It's like now a person is trying to extinguish something, but what can he extinguish with his mouth now he's trying to blow? A huge, just as an example, a huge fire. And a huge fire now you have to extinguish it. That fire is now burning like Allah Ta'ala save us sometimes as huge forest fires, etc. From one end to the another, for kilometers and kilometers on end, that fire has now mm, spread. And now he's deciding to extinguish it by blowing it with his mouth. He's blowing at it. What is that going to help? Where can he ever try to extinguish that fire? Now this is just the understanding. That people who are trying to destroy deen and iman, their efforts is no different than this person who is trying to extinguish that fire with his mouth. Allah Ta'ala says, Wallahu mutimmu nurihi walau kariyal kafirun. Allah Ta'ala will bring his nur and iman to completion even if the disbelievers despise this, they hate it, but Allah, Allah Ta'ala will make it happen. So the, deen of, so the deen of Allah Ta'ala will survive. Nobody can trample that. Nobody can annihilate that. But the very dangerous thing is that in the strategies of the kuffar, those who are weak in their iman, they will get trampled. Deen will survive. Deen will not be annihilated. But those who are not strong in their iman, not strong in their adherence to the commands of Allah Ta'ala, not firm in their compliance to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they are all the time looking at what the strategists, these are all strategies, what to put out there, how to corrupt, how to corrupt the lives of people, how to corrupt their dressing, how to corrupt their manner of business, how to corrupt their functions, how to corrupt their weddings. Corrupt, corrupt is not only the word where corruption, somebody is doing some corrupt dealings in some fraud. That's not the only corruption. The corruption, when a mu'min talks about corruption, leaving the Mubarak way of Rasulullah and adopting the way of his enemies is a major corruption. Leaving the, the manner of dressing that Deen has taught and adopting the manner of dressing of the West is a major corruption. It's an extremely major corruption. Leaving the simple manner of nikah that Rasulullah taught and adopting the ways of the West in our weddings, that's a major corruption. It's a very severe corruption. Likewise, all the various other things which are a, opposite to the way of Rasulullah whether it is in our eating and drinking, whether it is in our day-to-day life, whether it is in how we conduct ourselves in 
society, whatever it might be. If it is in opposition to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah wasallam, this is a corruption. But this is the great tragedy that where the corruption is regarded as progress. Now what can be worse? What can be worse than where the corruption is regarded as progress? Where the destruction is regarded as construction? Can we imagine? The destruction gets regarded as construction. There was this person, this is just an incident for the, for the moral. This one person went to live in one remote place. He had to go there for something and he had to stay there. So now when he got there for the first time, now he just got there and he saw something really strange. The strange thing was that every person, the tip of his nose was cut. So now this must have been some custom of theirs. So when the child is born already, and from that age they would snip off that edge of the tongue, uh, of, the, of the nose. So now it looks very odd. The edge of the nose, the tip of the nose is cut. This is, the example is being given because this is what is the figurative expression. When somebody feels they were humiliated, they say he felt like he's, some, that this person cut his nose. Or now when he felt disgraced, they say he cut his nose. So now this person now is seeing everybody with their nose cut and nose cut and his nose is normal. But these people with the cut nose, they all started looking at him in a very strange way. Let's look at this fellow. Look at this fellow, what kind of nose he got. And now they're mocking him, what kind of nose he got. So now he is becoming affected by this. Hey, everybody is talking about my nose. Everybody is talking about my nose. Now when he's walking somewhere, somebody is now pointing to one another and showing, pointing in his direction and nudging one another. Look at this fellow's nose. Nose. So now one person, two people, three people and carried on hearing it one day, two days, one week. Eventually he said that I can't carry on like this. He went to somebody and said, look, please just chip my nose off also. So I also can become, in big inverted commas, I can also become normal. In any case, now they chipped his nose off. Now when his nose also got chipped and the edge of his nose was cut, now he came out and everybody now said, you have progressed. You have now made tremendous strides. You are now also very progressive. You are now modern. Because you were looking odd. Your nose was right. You didn't have a chopped nose. So you're looking very odd. Now you are looking right. So now that chopped nose, nose, nose became right. So this is the way that the dunya is going. And the West is pushing this. Somebody is wearing a long dress. Say, no, you must chop it like a chopped nose. Otherwise you look off, you look odd. So now they're chopping everything in deen. They're chopping all the way of the sunnah. Chopping one thing after the other. And those who are accepting this chopping are feeling very progressive are feeling very, very modernized, feeling that we are keeping in touch with what is the right thing, the way the world is going. But this is the greatest tragedy, that the destruction is being regarded as construction. The retrogression is being regarded as progress. The destruction is being regarded as a great favor and bounty. So what can be then left for a person's destruction, when that very destruction is being regarded as a great bounty, then it's then headlong into this destruction. Allah Taala protect us and save us. So, we digress from what we were discussing. We were talking about the about the lockdown situation that Rasulullah Sallallahu had to undergo. So, in any case, when the Quraysh now tried everything else, so they sat down to strategize. But look, none of these things are working. We have to do something else. So now what to do? So all of them came to this unanimous decision that we will now totally boycott the Banu Hashim and the Banu Muttalib. We will totally boycott them and have no dealings with them. Nobody will buy anything from them. Nobody will sell anything to them. Nobody will marry into their families. Nobody will accept any proposal from them. 
nobody will give them anything, nobody will sit with them, nobody will have any dealings whatsoever. And until such time, that now the Banu Hashim, the Banu Muttalib, they hand over Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to the Quraysh, na'uzu billah, to then finish him off, until then we'll have nothing to do with these families, with these clans, and they will then suffer and die, but we will have nothing to do with them, and nobody will allow even an iota of compassion to come into their hearts for these people. So this was the strategy that they made. And they sat down and recorded it. And it was signed. And then this document of theirs was hung onto the wall of the Kaaba Sharif. And this boycott started. And everybody cut off ties from these two families, the Banu Hashim, the Banu Muttalib. And as a result, it became very, very difficult. Their lives were now in danger. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam together with all these people of the Banu Hashim, Banu Muttalib, went away into the valley of Abi Talib, which was a very narrow place, but it was more secluded on one end of Medina Munawwara. And this was more as a safety precaution, because now you don't know when the attack will happen directly on their lives. So in any case, they had to now be there and they were now banished in this manner and there was this lockdown on them and such a severe lockdown no buying from them no selling from them uh, selling anything to them so no essentials that are available and nobody is going to come and help in any way nobody is going to have anything to do with them so now when some to start off with it was nothing available to do because you can't buy sell anything so now how do you earn? Nobody will buy from you. You can't sell to anybody. How do you earn anything? And then whoever had anything, the little provisions that they had, gradually that got all finished. And if anybody came from outside to sell something, so as it is, the Quraysh had already decided that nothing, now the Shadabi Talib on one side of Makkah Mukarrama, they are all banished there and the Quraysh will have nothing to do with them. But if somebody else came into Makkah from outside to sell something, they would immediately come and pay a far higher price, which the others couldn't afford, and they would buy everything away. So they would make sure that the Muslims could not buy anything. And the Banu Hashim, Banu Muttalib, who were there with them, they could not buy anything. So gradually everything perished in terms of their provisions. No provisions, no food, no grain, nothing. And it is mentioned in the books of history that the crying of the woman and children would be heard from outside the valley out of sheer hunger. And it was Nabi Wasallam and this entire family, many of them were not even Muslim. But they joined Nabi Wasallam because the, the demand was that either you hand over Nabi Wasallam because Abu Talib was the uncle of Nabi Wasallam was a pillar of support for him, though he was not a Muslim. And like that, the immediate family, though many were not Muslim, but many of them were still there to support in terms of, they will not allow any harm to come to Nabi Wasallam. So now in solidarity, they also had to join. They went along. They said, we will not hand him over. You want to, na'uzubillah, kill him, we will not hand him over. If our lives go, our lives will go, but we will not hand him over. So out of this solidarity, they too joined, joined Nabi Wasallam in this valley. And they too are now going under this suffering. And there are so many details in, that happened in this time. There were such difficulties that were endured. They had to survive on chewing leaves, eating leaves, chewing leaves of the trees. Saad bin Abi Waqas, he gives an incident of his in this time while they were confined to this valley of Abu Talib and he says, I found one piece of skin, some animal skin, dried skin lying somewhere. So when I found this piece of skin, it was like such a great thing I found. Now dried skin, one small piece, took it, washed it with water, cleaned it out, 
then put it into a fire and after it had become like roasted in a way, ate that up. Can we imagine? Chewing leaves to survive. And for how long this continued? This didn't continue for three weeks, five weeks, three months. No, this continued for three long years. Subhanallah. Can we imagine three long years of this condition? Whatever provisions they had would have been finished off in a couple of days, week, two weeks. And then three long years. There were some people in Makkah Mukarrama who had some little bit of concern, some compassion, and some would try to sneak some things in. Somehow they would sneak some things. But even that, people like Abu Jahl and so on would be trying to keep an eye. And as soon as they saw somebody heading in that direction, they would go and snatch away whatever they were taking along. So some small things here and there, once in a while, would get sneaked in. But other than that, nothing. And not one day, one week, one month. For three years. Eventually, after three years had passed, Allah Ta'ala put it in the heart of one of the disbelievers at that time, Hisham bin Amr. And he began making some effort. He went and spoke to several of the Quraysh, of the different tribes of the Quraysh, leaders of the tribes, and he somehow enlisted their help and got few people ready and it's a, many details in the incident. Eventually they came in the Kaaba, in the Haram Sharif and then one of them spoke out aloud and said that how can we carry on like this, that we are eating and drinking in ease, but these are our relatives who are dying of hunger and thirst and we cannot allow this and we will have to stop this and Abu Jahl stands up and says, it will never stop. You are lying. You can never ever stop it. And somebody else then stands up and opposes Abu Jahl. And this one after the other, they start opposing him. And in the same time, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam receives this wahi. And he says to Abu Talib, that Allah Ta'ala has caused ants to eat up that document. That document that they had affixed to the wall of the Kaaba Sharif. And on which they had signed that the Quraysh will have nothing to do with Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib. And they will not have any dealings with them, etc., etc., and all the things that they have written there, all that has been eaten up, nothing is existing. The only thing is existing is the ismika Allahumma, the name of Allah Ta'ala. And Abu Talib came and he mentioned this to them, they got a shock, they couldn't believe that, they said if this is true, then this is really something. They went and saw and found exactly as described, and this became an added uh, blow to the Quraysh, that this was such an ajeeb thing, eventually, the that boycott was now cancelled and after three years can we imagine three years of this kind of condition Rasulullah and his family and the Banu Hashim Banu Muttalib they now emerged out of that valley and came back into Makkah Mukarramah itself this was a kind of lockdown that they endured but for what why did Nabi undergo this lockdown he was this lockdown was imposed on him because he was calling towards Allah Ta'ala. Because he was bringing people towards deen. Bringing people towards the true life. But for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, he endured it. But did not allow anything to get compromised in the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and together with him the Muslims all endured it without allowing anything to get compromised in the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Now this was that very severe lockdown and this difficulty and this hardship but they bore it. Now what we understand from this is one very very important lesson that the pious people also and who can ever come one fraction close to the piety of the Sahaba and then all the Sahaba put together who can come to the piety of any Nabi and the rank of any Nabi of Allah Ta'ala? And all the Anbiya Ali Musallatu Wasalam jointly, jointly, they also cannot compare to the rank of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But this was the type of sacrifice that he underwent as well. The hardship and difficulties that he endured in dunya. So hardships and difficulties come to everybody. It comes to everybody but for different, on different levels. And it 
everybody's situation is not the same. For everybody is not the same also. For somebody it's purely an azab. For somebody it's a test, it's a trial. But then there are various situations that go through this. Many a times people become very confused. Some become very, very perturbed. So there's no need for any confusion. Things are very, very clear. People ask the question sometimes, that, but I am doing so many things, I am performing my salah, I am doing so many extra things, I am making nawafil, I am being charitable, I am doing so many other good works. So then why am I undergoing this difficulty? So that question is as if to say that I am on a certain level of piety and I have reached that level of piety that I should not be in any kind of difficulty. Now we've just understood from the discussion about the lockdown that Nabi Wasallam had to undergo and what difficulty, three years of that level of difficulty that the crying of the children and the woman would be heard outside the valley out of the sheer pangs of hunger. And Nabi Wasallam is also in the same condition of that severe hunger and difficulties and hardships of seeing his family and others also. And then this was only one of the many, many sacrifices that he underwent. So if we are thinking that I am doing so many good things, I am performing salah regularly, I am making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, I am fasting regularly, I am giving so much of sadaqah. So I have reached a level of piety and because I have reached a certain level of piety, I should not have any difficulty. Yes, that is what we should keep asking Allah Ta'ala for. Ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. Beg Allah Ta'ala for protection from every difficulty. Always keep asking. Keep asking for that afiyat daily, repeatedly. Allahumma inna nas'aluka al-afwa wal-afiyah wal-mu'afata al-da'ima fi al-deeni wal-dunya wal-akhira. Allah grant us afiyat in deen, in dunya, and complete afiyat and total afiyat, that's what we're going to keep asking. But this fault of ours needs to be rectified. Where we think that now we've reached a rank, a level, we are on a pedestal somewhere, and as a result, we should be immune from any kind of test or trial or difficulty. Whereas, we cannot even come to the level of the dust on the Mubarak shoes of Rasulullah wasallam. we can't come close to a fraction of that also. Let alone come to it, we can't come close to a fraction of that level of that dust. Where we are claiming any piety for ourselves of that level, where we are now regarding ourselves as immune to any kind of difficulty, or we should be immune, that we should be given some kind of immunity. Yes, we must keep asking for afiyat. Never ever desire difficulty. But where did we become so great that we should now become immune. Then the other, sec- other aspect in this is, that while on the one side, indeed, there are many aspects, are many aspects mentioned in the Quran Sharif, in the Ahadith, that a person who will do certain things, then this will become a means of protection for him. Among the aspects and most important is, adopting taqwa. The person who adopts taqwa, Allah Ta'ala protects him and Allah Ta'ala makes a solution for him from every difficulty. Various other virtues of taqwa have been mentioned in the Quran Sharif, in the ahadith of Rasulullah Wasallam. So now a person is trying, he's adopting taqwa, he's staying away, staying away from sin. That too, there is no basis for us to claim that we have reached any level of taqwa. Because we are sometimes in a deception about having done something good, our intentions are so weak, so feeble, and the manner in which we go about it, our hearts are so far away from Allah Ta'ala. But this is Allah Ta'ala's grace, mercy, Allah Ta'ala accepts the broken efforts of His servants, broken efforts of His servants also. But there should be no claim from our side. So in any case, there are these clear promises of Allah Ta'ala. So a person now is thinking, but I'm trying, I'm making so much of effort, I'm giving sadaqah, in the hadith sharif it's mentioned sadaqah dispels difficulties, I'm making dua, 
and doing so many good things. Yes, indeed. Indeed, definitely. But at the same time, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala has made it very clear, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ That we will certainly test them. Allah Ta'ala is saying it with emphasis. We will certainly test them. Test who? Test the believers. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَاءِ the people who undergo the greatest test are the Anbiya wasalam. They are the closest to Allah Ta'ala. They are the closest to Allah Ta'ala. And they undergo the greatest test. And thereafter, ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ Then those who are closest in rank to them, they are tested accordingly. And then those who are closest, now they are coming down, the steps are coming down. So we are, we don't know how many steps down. So we will never get tested like the Anbiya alayhi But in any case, this Allah Ta'ala's clear declaration that wala nabluwannakum, we will certainly test them. Bishay'im min al-khawf with some fear. Bishay'im min al-khawf wal-jur with some hunger. Wa naqsim min al-amwal wal-anfusi wal-thamarat. And some loss in wealth, in crops, etc. Now, we should be keep asking Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. Allah Ta'ala protect one and all. Allah Ta'ala save us from every difficulty. Allah Ta'ala save us from all loss. Allah Ta'ala protect every person's izzat and honor. Allah Ta'ala keep us with afiyat. We are not of that caliber that we are capable of tests and trials. So we keep begging Allah Ta'ala's protection. Keep begging afiyat. But at the same time, this is an open declaration. So now, how do we reconcile this? That on the one side, certain amal are the means of the protection, certain amal bring about solutions, adopting taqwa becomes the means of a solution from every problem, excessive istighfar, man lazim al-istighfar, ja'alallahu lahu min kulli ziqin makhraja, wa min kulli hammin faraja, wa razaqahu min haythu la yahtasib, the one who holds on to istighfar very firmly, Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala will grant him, from every difficulty Allah will grant him a solution, and from every grief, Allah Ta'ala will grant him relief. And Allah Ta'ala will grant him risk from sources he cannot imagine. So especially in these halat, we must be making that istighfar all the time. We must increase our istighfar tremendously. And inshallah, we will see the benefit of it. But then how do we reconcile these two things? So the issue is that number one, inshallah, a person who is adopting taqwa, keeping within the limits of deen, staying away from sin, and Allah forbid, if he slips up, he's immediately making soba, istighfar, begging Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, and he's engaging in as much good actions as he can, giving sadaqah, making dua, making nawafil, nafil salah as well. So, mashallah, he's engaging in all this, inshallah, with the barakat of all these amal, with the barakat of the taqwa, Allah Ta'ala will protect him from difficulties and hardships. Inshallah, Allah will protect him. Then, if perchance some difficulty still comes, because on the other side is Allah Ta'ala's declaration also, Allah Ta'ala's declaration also, that we will test you. So if that difficulty does come, but the person is, mashallah, keeping up with these amal, is keeping up with his taqwa, that difficulty didn't become a, an obstacle in adopting that taqwa. He is still steadfast on his taqwa, he is steadfast on his amal, He's steadfast on his obedience to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. He's staying away from sin. So while this difficulty is there, with the barakat of these amal, the intensity of that will be reduced. The difficulty will become smaller. Had these amal been absent, it might have been many, many, many times more severe. But now that the amal are also there, as a, with the barakat of those amal, inshallah, that will become lessened. But now it's a test, it's a trial, he's being trialed and being tested. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala in this test makes it apparent who are truly his, who are his true servants, and who are his namesake people. Allah ta'ala distinguishes between the genuine and the artificial. This becomes the testing time. Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala keep us with afiyat, Allah Ta'ala save us. 
So one is with the barakat of those amal, with the barakat of taqwa, he'll get protected. And Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, but if something came, it will become very much light. It will become very much easier compared to the situation had these amal been absent. And sometimes that then will become uplifted with the barakat of the amal. So on the one hand, it will get lightened, and then, mashallah, he is excessively making istighfar, he is making dua, he is making nawafil, he is giving sadaqah. With the barakat of this, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will uplift those difficulties and hardships. So this is the thing that we have to engage in. More amal, but let us now question ourselves that we have already been in this lockdown situation for so long. How much have we increased our amal? How much has our istighfar increased? How much has our toba increased? Our ruju to Allah Ta'ala increased? Have we started increasing our tilawat of the Quran Sharif, nawafil? And we are now building up to Ramadan. We are on the doorstep of Ramadan. This build up should have happened, the build up in Amal should have happened in any case. Now with this lockdown situation and these difficulties and hardships, it should have been multiplied many times more. So in any case, with the barakat of these Amal, one is that Allah Ta'ala will protect him, it won't even come. But if it came, then with the barakat of the Amal, Allah Ta'ala will uplift it. The taqwa, and staying obedient to Allah Ta'ala, and increasing ruju ilallah, Allah Ta'ala will uplift it. And supposing that difficulty does not go away, the difficulty is there, now it's taking a while still, it hasn't yet gone. So while the difficulty is there, then Allah Ta'ala has placed it upon him, it has come with Allah Ta'ala's will. And what is Allah Ta'ala's hikmat in that, we will never fathom. But everything is filled with the hikmat and wisdom of Allah Ta'ala. But now that Allah Ta'ala has placed it upon him as a test, as a trial, but he is still obedient. He is not disobedient to Allah Ta'ala. He is staying firm on his taqwa. He is staying firm on his amal. The benefit of these amal and this taqwa now, in this situation, we just heard about the incident of the lockdown that Rasulullah had to undergo. What a lockdown! Three years! And what level of lockdown? We can't imagine. So now if that situation is and still continuing, that difficulty is there. So while it is there, with the barakat of that taqwa, with the barakat of that istighfar, with the barakat of that dua, of that zikr, of the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, of the sadaqah, Allah Ta'ala will grant him the sabr in that situation. So while he is in that situation, he is there, but he will still be composed, he will be calm, he will not become overwhelmed, compared to the person who is far away from Allah Ta'ala, compared to the person who is not adopting taqwa even in that time, compared to the person who is far away from deen even in that time, then now he will start looking for further sin to try and drown out his sorrows. Somebody was talking about some people who are without iman in some countries. He says they, if they're happy, they have to celebrate by drinking themselves drunk. And if they're sad, they have to drown their sorrows by drinking themselves drunk. So they are all the time drunk because they all the time got something to celebrate about or something to grieve about. Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us. It's only Iman and this beautiful deen of Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us, that has kept us in a, in a safe place compared to so many others. Otherwise, what, what are we and who are we? It is the barakat of this deen of Allah Ta'ala. It's the barakat of Iman. Otherwise, we have no strength of our own and no ability of our own to save ourselves from anything. Purely Allah Ta'ala's grace and mercy and His protection and kindness. Kindness. So one is with the barakat of the amal, with the barakat of taqwa, Allah Ta'ala will protect a person from those difficulties and hardships. And if it came, and he's staying steadfast on taqwa, he's staying steadfast on amal, he's staying steadfast on that sadaqah, on that dua, on salah, Allah Ta'ala will uplift that difficulty. And if it is still enduring for a while, inshallah it will get uplifted. But if for a while, now we were expecting this lockdown to finish off in three weeks, it's become five weeks. Now it's still enduring. 
But if the person is still steadfast on that taqwa, he's steadfast on his amal, he's steadfast on his ruju ilallah, turning to Allah wa ta'ala, steadfast in that dua, in sadaqah, that in that condition, while that difficulty is enduring, Allah Ta'ala will grant him the sabr. Like in the ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, the same ayat that we are discussing, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْسٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ Allah Ta'ala says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Give glad tidings to the sabirin, that the conditions will come. But there will be some, some will be totally deprived. Some will be totally deprived, they become uh, despondent, and nauzubillah, they start cursing their taqdeer, and they start questioning Allah Ta'ala's decree, they lost out in dunya and akhirat. They lost their dunya also, because of the difficulty, they lost the akhirat as well. Khasirat dunya wal akhirat. And there are those who, they take on the situation with sabr, with patience. They approach the situation with patience and sabr, and with turning to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. So they, mashallah, they are the ones Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Give glad tidings to the sabirin. Now who will adopt the sabr? That sabr also is the gift from Allah Ta'ala. It comes to those who adopt taqwa. To those who turn to Allah Ta'ala. To those who increase their amal. So Allah Ta'ala gives that peace to their hearts. So in that condition, they're feeling the pain, they're feeling the hunger, they're feeling the thirst, they're feeling whatever they might feel. But they're feeling calm at the same time. They're feeling composed. They're not feeling overwhelmed. They are insan. But their hearts are with Allah Ta'ala. And they are feeling that solace and comfort because of that. So despite the difficulty, they are still calm. They are composed. And because they are obeying Allah Ta'ala, their rewards are now being multiplied tremendously. And they are engaged in this ibadat of extra tilawat, zikr, dua, tasbihat, etc. But added to that now, they are engaged in this very great ibadat of sabr. Very great ibadat. Very great ibadat of awaiting the relief from Allah Ta'ala. That hope in Allah Ta'ala and intizarul faraj. Waiting, awaiting that relief from Allah Ta'ala. Patiently awaiting it is an ibadat in itself. So now ibadat upon ibadat, as a result their status and position in the court of Allah Ta'ala is just going further and further at a speed above. And they are progressing in leaps and bounds. And then in that condition, if while enduring this with sabr and patience and turning to Allah Ta'ala, and then there's one third group that goes even beyond, let alone just make sabr, they take it on with razabil qada. They ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyat. They make dua for Allah Ta'ala to relieve them. But they are happy on Allah Ta'ala's decree. They are one step far beyond. But nevertheless, while the person is now patiently enduring this, and he is not becoming... Uh, restless and saying things that are out of line or doing things that are not in order and in that time if supposing that difficulty overcame him completely in the sense that he even passed away in that like people many many people in the world at this time and not this is not the only thing various things become the the, the reason apparently a person suddenly his life going but life only goes on the decreed moment life doesn't go before that it doesn't go after it only goes at the appointed time so it is not that somebody's life got cut short that is far away from the aqidah of a mu'min that somebody went prematurely these type of words sometimes are used prematurely the person left there is no such thing as prematurely leaving a person leaves only on the appointed time but if that happened, that now the person got afflicted with the virus and passed away, but he was a person of taqwa, he was a person obeying Allah Ta'ala, staying away from sin, that didn't become a calamity for him. That was his appointed time. That just became, like we might say, a feather in the cap. That became the feather in the cap and a very, very, very big feather in the cap. Figuratively speaking, that feather in the cap, we shouldn't be using this terminologies because we don't believe in the cap of that nature but the point is basically that this is that cherry on the top and this is that appointed time that the person went but Allah Ta'ala said you come to me with shahadat 
you come to me with the rank of a shaheed. Subhanallah. So that person was not in a minute degree of loss as well. Rather his profits just multiplied in, in the millions. One is that a person is making 10% profit, then somebody 20%, then somebody 50%, somebody 100%. This person now went with shahadat, he made millions of percent profit. So he didn't go at a loss. So there was no, that, that outwardly was a calamity. But for him was a ni'mat upon ni'mat. Why? Because he was obedient to Allah Ta'ala. He was steadfast on deen. He remained with taqwa even in that condition. He remained with his heart turned to Allah Ta'ala. So despite the difficulty, despite the hardship, but he was progressing in all that. When it came, one situation was that it could have been averted entirely. But Allah Ta'ala willed it to come to test him and to show to the world, this is my true servant. And Allah Ta'ala makes it apparent to others as well, that this is my true servant. Look at how he remains steadfast despite all the hardships, despite the difficulties. And then with the barkat of that taqwa, with the barkat of the amal, with the barkat of all the good things that the person was doing, in that condition Allah Ta'ala blesses sabr. That if that condition now didn't go away immediately, one is with the barkat of amal, etc., it will go away also. Allah Ta'ala wills it will go away. But if it still not has gone and it's enduring, while it's enduring, Allah Ta'ala will bless the heart with sabr. Allah Ta'ala will make the person steadfast. And Allah Ta'ala will keep him firm in his deen and iman. And he will not utter anything that is against Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. Anything that is against the dictates of this iman. And he will remain firm on his deen. And if in that time his life came to an end, then he really went way above. He made it very big. So this is the mu'min, that the mu'min is never at loss. A true mu'min, ajaban li amril mu'min, inna amrahu kullahu lahu khair. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, how amazing is the matter of a mu'min. Every condition of his is good for him. Nobody else can enjoy this besides a mu'min. In asabatu sarra'u shakara, fakana khairan lah. If some ease has come, and that ease has come to him, he makes shukr, that shukr now becomes a source of good for him. That takes him closer to Allah Ta'ala. And if some difficulty came to him, he makes sabr, that sabr becomes good for him. Allah Ta'ala accept, Allah Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast in deen, Allah Ta'ala keep us with taqwa, Allah Ta'ala grant us taqwa, and keep us with taqwa, grant us a tawfiq of all the righteous actions, may Allah Ta'ala uplift all the difficulties from throughout the world, from the whole of mankind, Allah Ta'ala save us all from all the difficulties and hardships, most importantly, Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast in our Iman and Islam, Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq that this difficulty, this hardship, <coughs> becomes a means of us turning more to Allah Ta'ala, abandoning the ways of the kuffar, abandoning the ways of the West, and adopting the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Lillah Tabarak Wa Ta'ala, give us the tawfiq, wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu, wa laka shukru kulluhu, Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk, anta kama athnayta ala nafsik, jazallahu anna nabiyyana Muhammadan, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bima huwa ahlu, Allahumma ftahlana bil khayr, wa akhtim lana bil khayr, wa jahal awaqib umurina bil khayr, biyadika al khayr, innaka ala kulli shayin qadir, ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأبتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم عافنا ونجنا من كل بلاء الدنيا وعذاب القبر وعذاب الآخرة اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى 
اللهم اغفر لأمتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولأساتذتنا ولمشائخنا ولأحبابنا ولمن له حق علينا ولمن أحسن إلينا ولمن له حق علينا ولمن أحسن إلينا ولمن أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم اغفر لأزواجنا وذرياتنا وإخوتنا وأخواتنا وأزواجهم وذرياتهم وأعزتنا وأقاربنا ولتلامذتنا ولتلامذيهم ولجميع المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وسابق معين والحمد لله